Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Individualism actually started to develop. And again, this is based on data. It began developing with what's called the silent generation, even before the boomers. And that's when, for example, women's libs started to gain a lot of traction. There were more women in the workforce. They had more options than they had had before. And they got the ball rolling, but boomers really ran with it. And Gen X, which is, of course, now aging to 50 and beyond, has gone even further with it. The signs are that the subsequent generations, it's just picking up more and more momentum. And in an individualist society, people tend to have a longer strategy of adulthood. So what that means is, they get married usually later. Mm -hmm. They have their kids later and everything about their life happens a little bit later. And there's just not the taboo about divorce that there used to be. So I think those are a lot of the reasons why this phenomenon is happening. But I also think that we never stop needing love. So the first thing I would say for someone to plan on is that they need to admit to themselves that it's okay to want and need love. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now, your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome, listeners. I'm so thrilled to have you here today because I have someone who's become a dear friend, Dr. Duena Welk. She's been on before, so go back and listen. I'll have those episodes in the show notes. She's the love doctor, and she has really popular episodes. And I just always enjoy chatting with Duena. She is someone who's smart, has been through hard times, and has shared what she's learned to help you have a better life. And I love the topic that we're talking about today because... Many of my listeners are women between the ages of like 40 and 60. And I really want to speak to them. And what's so wonderful and parallel is Duena is now working on a book called Love Factually, Midlife and Beyond. And so I think today we're going to talk a little bit about gray divorce, maybe a little bit about dating when you're 50 plus. And I think it's advice that can help everyone, but you know, in particular, those of us who are at that age. So Wayna, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so thankful that you're here. You always brighten my day and it was, it's just a treat. I get excited that you're going to be on and I get to see you. So welcome. Thank you very much, Lisa. It is, it's really a joy to be back and especially to talk about this, this wonderful topic to this delightful group of listeners because, you know, those of us who are 40 plus, we need love too. Yep. Amen. And I think you're newly married and experiencing some love there on your own. And then you want to talk about that a little bit and what got you there? Yeah. So I wound up quite unexpectedly divorced during the pandemic. And so I spent a few months thinking about, okay, am I ready to start dating? Am I not ready to start dating? And I decided that I was. 
And I did all the things that I help clients to do. As you know, I see clients all over the world. And I've written the Love Factually books, the one I recommend until the next one comes out. Right. The one for Midlife and Beyond, the one I recommend is Love Factually, whoop, 10 Proven Steps for My Wish to I Do, the revised and updated edition, this one. We'll have it in the show notes too. They're all great. Yes. Thank you. So I decided I'm going to reread my own work. I'm going to make a plan just exactly like the plan that I make with all my clients. And I'm going to adhere to it stringently. And, you know, it's weird. I was on a podcast two weeks before I posted my profile. As you know, I write profiles for people among the other things that I do. And two weeks before I decided that I was going to launch my profile online, looking for a partner, I was on a podcast and I said, I just had this realization that I want to share with everyone, which is, the man that I'm looking for is actually out there right now looking for me, wondering where the heck I am. And it really made me feel so optimistic. So I hope Mm -hmm. that that brings some joy to somebody else's heart as well. And so I put my ad out on New Year's Eve 2020. And on January 6, 2021, my now husband responded. So seven days. And you know, if you go back to our past episode, we talked all about the juicy details of how to put that together and how to really get someone who was an amazing fit for you. And I love how you were kind of in that podcast, thinking about your future self, you were saying, and I think that's really strong, Dwayna, like, there is someone out there looking for me right now, too. It's optimistic. It's true. So, so now let's talk a little bit more about gray divorce. You know, we're hearing about it. I'm helping a lot of people who are 50 plus going through a divorce. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, as you know, Lisa, it's the fastest growing segment of divorced people. And therefore, it's also the fastest growing segment of people who are dating because interesting. there's a time when people would be shamed out of their sexuality and their needs for companionship. And largely in American society, anyway, largely that time is past and people are realizing, you know what, I could live another 40 years and however long or short it is, I don't want to do it without the love of my life. I have clients who, well, I just did a wedding for a former client. She asked me to become ordained and to do her marriage ceremony and she's 70. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. And you are the love doctor, Duena, you are. Well, thank you. As you know, and for people who haven't listened to the other podcasts, I use science to form the basis for how I help people. So I do that in my books and I do it with my clients all over the world. And I was just in New York City talking to a dating conference there. And so, yeah, I I was at the wedding of this one woman and this is the only time in her life she's been in a healthy, happy relationship. This is it at 70. It's never too late. I was 52 and it's been over a year now. I am so madly in love with my husband. He just makes me glow. It's such a great feeling. And do you think like part of the reason for the gray divorce is, you know, like you said, people are starting to look and say, you know what? I could live 50 more years even. Mm -hmm. And do I really want to like stay here? Especially as you're looking at retirement, you're going to have more time with someone. 
Do you think they're evaluating the health of their marriage more than they used to at this age because of that, because we're living longer? What are your thoughts or what's the science behind it? I don't yet know the science behind why people are divorcing more, but here's what I do know. Economically, we are more able, especially as women, to determine in midlife and beyond that something isn't working for us and to leave if we need to and start again. But I do think there's a lot to what you're saying that, you know, men and women alike are thinking the kids are raised and I'm not close to my partner. Maybe I haven't been close to my partner for a long time. Maybe it's even crossed a line. It's become abusive. It's, it's made us both deeply unhappy and, and I want out. Right. And you don't maybe notice it when you have all the distractions of the children and all the things going on. And then all of a sudden you go, Oh, who is this sitting across from me? That could be one, you know, reason. I don't, I just don't really know for certain what it is that's causing the gray divorce. But I'm, like I said, I'm seeing it and it's a fact. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're going through a divorce and you're 50 plus, 40 plus, I think that, that there's, it can be a really tricky time. And I think especially for women and my heart goes out to them because I know the things that I struggle with as a woman this age of feeling worthy, of feeling like, you know, having the confidence that I can do this on my own. There's, there's a lot to it. So, and you know, I've been married for 32 years and so far we're empty nesters, grandparents, and we're still looking across kind of like at each other. So we're doing okay. But I think it's because of the work that I do and how much I put into it. I can't imagine, um, well, I mean, I guess I can, but how hard it would be to be my age, be going through a divorce. And, you know, I do have a lot of years left. I don't know that I want to go this alone to think through because things have changed a lot since I dated, you know, I mean, there wasn't, now it's all online. So maybe we could address how to help women who are at this stage of their life. And they're like, who, you know, so that they can still dream big and know that they can like you find the love of their life, probably be even happier than they ever were. So what would they start doing? What, what can they do to get there? Well, the first thing is to admit that they want to get there. And just to go back to your earlier question, you know, here are things I know for sure from science. We're more individualistic now than we ever have been before. And women have more money than they've had before. And divorce creates its own momentum where it becomes more acceptable as it happens more often. So that's happening. So there are a lot yeah, of more acceptable. That's another good point. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. And individualism has risen more than ever before. Maybe I already said that. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Or do you know any of the reasons why? Individualism actually started to develop. And again, this is based on data. It began developing with what's called the silent generation, even before the boomers. And that's when, for example, women's libs started to gain a lot of traction. There were more women in the workforce. They had more options than they had had before. And they got the ball rolling, but boomers really ran with it. And Gen X, which is, of course, now aging to 50 and beyond, has gone even further with it. The signs are that the subsequent generations, it's just picking up more and more momentum. And in an individualist society, people tend to have a longer strategy of adulthood. So what that means is, 
they get married usually later. Mm -hmm. They have their kids later and everything about their life happens a little bit later. And there's just not the taboo about divorce that there used to be. So I think those are a lot of the reasons why this phenomenon is happening. But I also think that we never, I know from research that we never stop needing love. So the first thing I would say for someone to plan on is that they need to admit to themselves that it's okay to want and need love. This is actually a really big struggle. Like I told you, I was just at a conference in New York and the moderator of a panel that I was on was saying that, you know, we women can do everything on our own now. We don't need a man. And that she herself had been criticized by men who said, well, but you don't need me. And she asked me to speak to that. And what I would say is, yeah, yeah, you do. You need love. People... Babies die without it, and actually so do adults. Every year that a man is single, from any cause, whether he's single because his wife died or because he never got married or because he's divorced or any combination of these, as soon as he's single, his odds of death from all known causes increase by a factor of six. Wow. Okay, now I've got to stop you. You said a a man. Yes. What about a woman? It's not as high for women, largely because we have social support. Okay. Men really, this is changing a little bit, but they're almost Mm -hmm. not allowed to have guy friends where they really talk about matters of the heart. That is shifting. Mm -hmm. But there's still some stigma about that. And most men, the person that they tell everything to is not a therapist because therapy also is still stigmatized by most men. And it's not their best guy friend. It's the woman in their life. And if they don't have one, They're really not revealing their heart to anyone. Mm -hmm. Loneliness is associated with higher rates of death for everyone. Well, and it's interesting because I don't know a lot about this, but when you said individualism is on the rise, you know, I'm always learning and growing and I'm hearing about how oxytocin makes you happy and that's being around people. That's being love, that's being touch. And so then I, I couldn't help but wonder, are we less happy because of that individualism? And, and I don't know what your thoughts are on that. You know, there's data on that as well. There's a lot of research on happiness, which I really like because the other way of looking at things is everything's a problem. And so right. there's actually a book from way back called Happiness is a Serious Problem. And I just love that that title because it is a serious problem. So yes, people are far, far happier if they have a relationship and relationships are a little bit antithetical to individualism. So here's what we know for sure. In cultures that embrace individualism, if someone moves from a culture that values collectivist thinking, where the good of the group is placed above the good of the individual, if somebody moves from one of those cultures and moves to a culture like ours, they report higher happiness after they've been here and they don't usually want to go back. So having a fully collectivist society is not necessarily, doesn't necessarily create happiness for individuals, but neither does complete individualism. I've noticed over the years, I've known a few people who can just travel whenever they want to and money's not an object. And the problem with that is if you don't ever have to sign on for problems, then you probably aren't going to sign on for relationships because relationships bring joy, but they also bring challenge. And mm-hmm. what we need is not necessarily collectivist or individualist. We need interdependence. 
we need to find someone where we help each other feel safe enough, where we can mutually depend on each other and we can mutually put the other person's needs co-equal with ours. And in the absence of that, you're going to find a lot of unhappiness and even higher divorce rates. Thank you for clarifying that. And you know what? I just need to add one other thing that I find interesting because I've watched my husband through the years and I've always been in community with other women. And I don't think that he was so much. He would have a friend at work. And here's one thing that's interesting about texting and, you know, maybe even social media, although he doesn't go on that a lot. I find that he has better male friendships than he's ever had. And that's because he's staying connected to them. Now, I don't know how deep they're going, Duena. It might be something, you know, about the game or about work or whatever it is. But I feel like he has more connections than he had 20 years ago. Yeah. One of the things that we learned from research during and after the pandemic is how important it is to simply be, in co- be connected, even at a superficial level. But what really saves women's and men's lives is being connected in this deep, ongoing way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a movie with a quotation in it that I just love this. Somebody's asking, I guess it's Susan Sarandon's character in the American version of Can Shall We Dance? And they're asking her, this guy wants to have an affair with her. And he says, why do people even get married? And she says, as a witness to our lives. And what we get when we have, and this is why to put real effort into this. You know, lots Mm -hmm. of people, when I ask people, if the right person just came up to you and they were just right for you, would you latch onto that relationship? Would you be willing to have it? People say, oh yeah, but then they don't want to take any risk to get there because the right person doesn't just show up for you. You have to make some effort. Sometimes, most of the time now, probably going to be online, but sometimes it can be through friends and family. I coach people Mm -hmm. how to do that too. The seven-year-old I was just talking to you about, and she's given me permission to share this, how she met her wonderful husband, I just love him, is we created her materials, her photographs, her her profile of what she was looking for. I have people write a profile or I write it for them about who they're after, not what they're like, both to repel the wrong people and strongly attract the right people. And also it stands out in the crowd. I asked her to share that profile with everyone she knew who loved her, her kids, her best friends, anyone that she trusted to take her seriously and have her best interest at heart. So she wound up sharing this profile with many people, one of whom was her grown son. And her grown son shared it with his then girlfriend, now his wife. And his then girlfriend shared it with her hairdresser. And her hairdresser shared it with her father, who is now married to my former client. Yeah, that's the that's the greatest story. And I'm trying to think of this for the women that I'm trying to help in this episode. And you said that the first thing is for them to admit that they want love, that they want they do want to find love. And then you said to have the courage to take steps. Am I saying this right? Is that one and two? And then like to do what you're talking about. Now you did a profile that maybe would have gone on a dating app, but did you have her share it with family and friends first or was it on a dating app? So it's a both and world. 
everything I do and everything I recommend is both. And it's not, yeah. it's not one or the other. Yeah. You know, if you were looking for a job, I hope you would tell your friends and, yes. your family and people that you met at any kind of function. And I hope you would also go online and look for jobs and, and, and. So yes. this, this is the same thing. And you're right. Finding love takes courage. I didn't use that word, but I often say finding love takes bravery and it also takes strategy. And that's kind of what we're talking about now. Admit yeah. that you want love and that please divest yourself of the shame around that. Everybody needs it. Right. Then have a strategy. And that's really, I come in at all points here, but I create a start to finish strategy. And part of that strategy is, okay, what exactly do you want? And Lisa, we've covered that in a past podcast. Yes. And whether people are being reasonable and all that. And then once you know what you want, then where do you put it? Friends and family, I've just given you an example yeah. of a case that uh, worked very well. I have a lot of people say, well, that didn't work for me. Well, you know, only one thing ultimately does work for you, right? I did right. all the things that I teach my clients and one of them worked, but that's all we need. We just need one of them to work. And so, I mean, you wouldn't say about talking to friends about a job, oh, that didn't work. Nobody should do it. You would say, well, it didn't work for me, but other things right. for me. And it's a legit way to go about searching. So part of what you need to do is approach friends and family. And they're all going to say the following. Oh, I don't know anybody. They don't need to. Don't need to. <laughs> My client did not marry someone that her son directly knew, or even someone that his, her son's yeah. then girlfriend directly knew. She married someone who her son's girlfriend's hairdresser was related to. That is so crazy and amazing. You know, but there are, and there are other ways to look too. What you say to these folks is, well, I don't need you to know them. I just need you to pass it on to people that you trust who might be willing to tell you if they know someone like this, yeah. which is another reason to write it about them, not you. Because they'll be right. thinking, oh, that's what, I know that guy. And Duana, just for the people who haven't listened to that, can you just explain briefly, write it about them, not you, because you you know, you did yours so beautifully and you help people come up with such a great profile. Can you just touch on that a little bit? Sure. The the very, very nutshell version of this, since we have talked a little bit about it before, yeah. is that you want to place an ad about the person that you're looking for. So mine, I place, and you can do it lots of ways, but I advise humor because who doesn't love humor? And funny attracts funny. And all women want somebody funny. That's just, that's also been researched, by the way. Everyone <laughs> wants somebody funny. So in my own ad, for example, I wrote my ad from the perspective of me being a casting agent, looking for the male lead in an upcoming rom-com. And I said, you know, the successful applicant will have the following features or something like that. And I just listed what I was looking for. And then at the bottom, I said, you know, this casting call is open for, and then I named a date 30 days after that, because I was posting this online and they really don't push you much online after the first two or three weeks. So another free tip, just get a one month membership and then move on to something else for a month. And then, you know, if, yeah. if none of those works, circle back. I've had people say, but I already did that one for a month. Look, people have moved on. They're new guys. Go ahead and right. place up there again for another month after that. Right. There, it's not like there are police on there who are going to say, Judy, you already, you already said that. Uh, <laughs> you can't be here anymore. Bye. It's, that's not what's going to happen. So that's one thing. Put it online. Tell your friends. 
It matters where you go online, though. Here's what I want you to do. Only accept communication with people who paid to be there. Think about who doesn't pay to be there, people who are highly ambivalent. Also, it's good if you buy a membership someplace where you can write a lot and not just a little. And here are two reasons why. Reason number one is that people pay strong attention to the information that they have. And if all the information they have is how good looking you are, that's all the information they have. It's the only criterion on which you will be judged. And second, it's the only criterion on which you will then judge people. And we've all known people who wound up married to someone who maybe isn't amazing looking. They're just, they're okay, but they found the love of their life and how they did it really was they got to know them. So I'd like you to be on a site where you can say a lot about who you're looking for and they can say a lot because that's more data points and it lets you stop focusing exclusively or I hope even mainly on someone's appearance. It lets you screen for character. People, obviously, if there's no attraction whatsoever, if you feel like there's not a universe in which this man could put a hand on my naked body, and I <laughs> then obviously don't date them. But right. if you see that someone's a great person and they meet the bare minimum standard of maybe this could grow, I want you to, to reach out to them. Yeah. And another reason that I want you to be someplace with a lot of information is when people are only looking at appearance, a very, to me, bizarre thing happens. But again, science, it doesn't always do the things that I think it will do. It right. doesn't find the things I think it will find. What it's found is people tend to choose partners on swiping apps that are about 10% better looking than they are. In the real world, this doesn't work. It doesn't right. work. wind up with their match, not their, oh my gosh, they're so much better looking than me. Unless, unless you're trading looks and youth and beauty for resources. But otherwise, you're really looking at people match physically and in a lot of other ways. So if looks are all you have and you're swiping right on people 10% better looking, then what happens is the people at the very, very top of this triangle, they have their choice. They can have anyone, right? And they're going to pick each other, right? They're going to pick the other best looking people. And then the people further down the triangle, they're the ones who are complaining, it never works out online. Well, that's one reason why. Well, okay. I have to ask you, I know where time is of the essence here, but I have to ask you profile picture quickly. Do you want like the best picture of you out there or what do you do? How do you pick a profile picture? The profile picture should be a picture of you doing a squinty eyed, full on smile directly into the camera. Okay. I like it. Share your teeth. Do not be wearing sunshades. Let them see you. Here's why. First of all, men routinely, and again, because science, men routinely read women as interested in them who make full eye contact while smiling at them with a real eye crinkling smile. Don't Botox this. Don't do it. (laughs) Let it show because that's what tells. And honestly, Botox has been shown to reduce emotion. Did you know that? No, and I and I was hearing, it's interesting, remember how I told you about the oxytocin? That if you can't smile and show your emotion, you're not as happy. Yes. So actually, Botox interferes with that. I'll never get it. I'm about to turn 55, and 
and I'm going to live with and love all the different wrinkles that I have because I want to feel joy and joy is tied to being able to move all those facial muscles, but it's also tied to being able to find someone. The people who care about you being completely wrinkle free and you can't have a gray hair on your head and, and, and those people do not have what scientists and developmental psychologists refer to as a secure attachment style. They probably have an avoidant attachment style. And that means they're going to be super, super critical of your appearance. And I mean, I'm just not willing to live with that. I'm not. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before the saddle up segment and this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses, and sign up for the Parenting Plan course now because... When parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. Okay, so we have to wrap this up soon. And as you know, I have what I call the saddle up segment where I ask for one little tidbit or piece that you've given us so much advice. But what is one thing you can leave my listeners with today, maybe that they could do right away to help them? right away to help you memorize the following. If you can find and be someone kind and respectful, your love life is going to go great. And if you can't, it will not. Words of wisdom from Dr. Duane Wells. Lena, that went flying by. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to have your information in the show notes. How can people find you if they're just listening and want to look you up right now? Sure, they can go to lovesciencemedia.com and there they will see lots of podcast links and article links and and free stuff. And they will also see a tab that leads you to my books. And they will also see, I think there are nine, but the the big books, the thick ones are the ones on that. Then they will also be able to reach out to me. There's an email and a consult page. Wonderful. And congratulations on that new book too. That's amazing. You're quite the lady. I love having you here. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you. And thank you for having me on and for helping all these amazing women. You bet. Take care. Take care. Before I go, I just want to let you know some exciting news. In addition to my online parenting plan course, I now have the Minnesota Divorce Paperwork course. This course is going to hold your hand through 
the mediation process and the Minnesota divorce paperwork. It's easy, effective, comprehensive. You will have what you need to file for divorce with this course. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.